Welcome to the Six Levers Podcast, where we talk about simple tools for healthy teams. I'm your host, Josh Aranda. Let's go. All right, why can you rely on your kids? <laughs> Putting you on the spot. I mean, it's funny to say it, but it's just like, you know, rain or shine every morning, you wake up, your kids are there, and they're just themselves. They're silly, whiny, creative, curious selves, and it's just so fun. It's so, uh, it's something to not take for granted. Yeah. Dude, it was great. Uh, <clears throat> we had dinner, we normally do like pizza on Fridays. And so we had pizza and like the boys were like down playing and Laura and I were actually having like a pretty serious conversation at the table and Jack and Noah both like ran over to Laura and they were sitting on her lap and I was talking and then Jack started talking to Laura as well. And I was like, I was like, Hey buddy, excuse me. And I was like, Hey, can daddy finish what he's t- telling the uh, mom? And he's like, no, 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 we can talk at the same time, daddy. And he's like, and then our words and he's like making this reaction he's like our words will collide with each other and make a bridge and then we'll walk over together and laura and i were like having this super this is what he says it's like super poetic and uh he's oh my god and we're like having a pretty not a heated conversation but the topic of it was pretty like we needed to see other sides and uh laura's like very good jack you're very wise and she like looks at me like did you hear what he said um but yeah to your point man you can always count on your kids for some element of yeah just pure joy yeah that's amazing i think about that with like the range of our kids right now from like 13 to 4 how i don't always like get pause long enough to appreciate it but there's a lot of times where like today in particular where i'm doing a little bit of work early in the morning and stella just comes out of her room and she's like oh hi dad (laughs) i was like what are you doing here our four-year-old and uh i just look at her like oh hi stella I think I'm ready for breakfast. I'm like, all right, let's have some breakfast. <laughs> and then I come out of my first meeting after my after the oldest wakes up and she's like at the bar stool doing a book study in her robe, like having breakfast, like all prepared. And I'm just <laughs> just look at her like I got this little emerging adult in my in my house now. <laughs> but to what you're saying, Joe, it feel it always feels like a it's just a, a source of, of joy and and or and or frustration for sure. Totally. I was just gonna say, I mean I think the 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 piece what is just about like it's always there like they're always there. That was like the reflection was just yeah. so much about whether it's yeah, whether it's frustration or whether you can always rely on them to be there and themselves and how that's like a new as a still somewhat new parent, you know, I feel like that was like the the reflection, just that like, man, no matter what, I can always rely on you to be here with me. Whether you're tired or grumpy or incredibly happy and joyful and fun, it's like you're always there. And it's just like a real special thing that like they are literally one and four years old. Right. <laughs> but they bring this 
incredible consistency um, into my life. So, all right. So, if that's not a good enough uh, transition, I don't know what is. So, we're gonna, I'm going to move us along to uh, hit a topic that's pretty near and dear, I think, to all of our hearts, and that's really just about leadership. And kind of piggybacking on what Joe just said, um, right? They're always there, right? We were talking about kiddos, but leaders are always there as well. And leadership can be either in the form of just a title, right? Somebody's a president, a CEO, a team leader, et cetera, or it can be that they're showing up in their behaviors as well, right? So a leader is truly present. Um, they have maybe the, the title or not, but their behaviors, their habits, their activities um, demonstrate that of leadership. So really today we're going to talk about just leadership being a part of uh, the overall system, the six levers framework. And really, you can't have an intentional system. You can't have a healthy organization without intentional leadership. So we're going to dive into the tools, the frameworks, stories from the field, uh, and really kind of unpack this lever um, altogether. All right. I'm going to dive in with a quick story, too, um, because this was just resonating uh, quite a bit prepping for today. So this was about two years ago. And this organization at the time, they were a client. I remember us talking with them uh, about uh, a specific initiative that someone on their team was supposed to take I'm talking with the leadership team. And I'm like, hey, do you think she has all the tools that she needs to do to execute this this technology initiative appropriately? And the executive director at the time, he's like, she will do it. And I was like, okay, but does she have everything she needs? Does she need us to step in? He's like, no, she'll do it because she's terrified of me. And he kind of said it jokingly and he kind of said it like a badge of honor. And I just remember kind of like sitting back in my seat and we ended up parting ways with this client like three months later. Like that was like the, the tip of the iceberg. Like, okay, this is not actually going to be uh, a good situation. And I remember just sitting there and like, okay, that's, that's leadership. Like that is the okay thing. We're not going to talk about equipping people. And so really today, why is the leadership lever as part of the six levers framework important? Um, and what does it help us do as leaders to show up for our team? Any initial thoughts yeah. going into that? Yeah. Josh, that story is uh, such a dramatic story. It makes me think how, you know, um, there's all these different types of, of leadership and, and one is just sort of the, the structural aspect of leadership, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm the manager. I've got people that report to me. I compel that sort of hierarchical. Um, I pull that hierarchical lever, right. When I want people to do what I need them to get done in the scenario that you just described there versus the other end being, I'm inspiring people, I, you know, I have natural followers because they're attracted to the, to the way in which I lead. And I'm just imagining that reality of like someone in that atmosphere and thinking that, and certainly knowing from, from uh, evidence of both being working in organizations or seeing teams like this, and then from our consulting work, that you can really only sustain that for a short period of time, right? Like you're, yeah. you're, the, the people on the other end of that are simply not going to go along with that for, for very long. And it's ultimately just going to, to, to pip, you know, you're, it's going to run out. So it's like the other end of the spectrum is the, not just, not just like how, how do you actually flip that around and, and nurture hmm. and grow and, and strengthen leadership and in a way that people are just excited to be on teams and excited to, to work with each other. Yeah. 
makes me think that I should have called that leader out as opposed to just being deflated and like, I can't help you, dude. <laughs> so you made me think I should have flipped the script and just probe into it a little bit more. But uh, that's that's pretty good. Joe, were you about to say something? Yeah, I think, well, I think we, you know, as the the leaders of some systems level work, we talk a lot about, you know, having a healthy system. And, you know, oftentimes the the issue that you're facing is less of a people issue and more of a systems issue. And we 100% believe in that. And at the same time, in the absence of people who are showing up with leadership and leaning into the work, your system is going to fall short, right? So at the end of the day, we do rely on people to steer the system and to be champions of it and to lean into it. Um, And so the leadership lever is all about recognizing that helping people to understand that how we show up matters. Um, and, you know, I think about, you know, the, this, the many different ways in which this can pop up um, because it's not just like these grand moments of leadership, right? Where you think like CEO in front of the, the full um, team, like having these big motivational speeches or, you know, big boardroom decisions, right? Leadership shows up in so many different ways and all over the place. Um, and the opposite of leadership can show up as well, right? Where people aren't bringing, uh, you know, uh, leader qualities into their conversations. And that's where we spend a lot of time in our work is helping them to recognize that we're talking about like how you show up to, how, how you show up to a meeting, the, the regular Monday meeting, you know, how you show up when your team's, facing some serious tension, right? And what do you bring to the table in those moments? Uh, so I, I get fired up about this because it, it's there's just so many opportunities to lean into it. And when teams do that, when they're super intentional about how they show up, how they create a culture where people are mindful of how they show up, it, it becomes a superpower. We sort of joke about it, but it really does become a superpower. Uh, and we, yeah, we, we love, we love working in this, yeah, in this part of the system. Uh, so, so can we unpack that a little bit where you were saying, you know, we work with leaders and help them show up, whether it's a meeting or something else, dive into that. How do you actually go about helping leaders show up for a meeting, a quarterly, you know, quarterly review? Um, can you break it down for me? Well, well, we start by showing them examples and non-examples of of what it can look like at the most bite-sized level, right? So we love running this, I'll go off on a quick tangent. We love running this exercise. We call it a moment of leader magic. And it's a simple leadership team meeting. There's some light tension in the air and a leader who's on the team, but not even a part of the tension, steps up, shows up with curiosity empathy, self-awareness, and winds up changing the trajectory of the meeting, right? Total intentional move, didn't need to do that, but completely shifts the trajectory of the meeting. And that repeated amongst the team over and over again, that team's going to be in a different place. So we sort of like to show that even at just this really bite-sized level, what it can look like. And then of course, show the alternative as well, which I won't... (laughs) give the example, but we've all been there, right? Where meetings just turn into madness. It's a mess. We struggle to 
to show up and, and bring our A game and um, yeah, and, and oftentimes leave frustrated, disengaged, you know, the bit. Yeah, it, it reminds me, Joe, just that we've been talking internally about how like some of the levers when you mash them together, there's a there's a really powerful combination, although we'd argue at, a, I think, a very high field theoretical level that you can, the overlaps are seemingly endless and how they're all, or the connected points are all seemingly endless, but a, a couple of ones where they show up in a little bit more obvious and, and regular way would be when we think about um, things like rhythms and some of these leader practices that, that Joe's talking about. And he even just mentioned one of them, right? Like the, it, let's say the setting for that moment of leader magic was during a weekly leadership team meeting. And, and there was a little bit of tension that arose and that leader called upon one of these leader practices to help resolve the tension and really just move the meeting forward in a really, in a really meaningful way. And, you know, that's, that's so much, so often we, I think we come up against this idea and common thought process and in, in organizations where it's like there's systems work and then there's like people and leadership work. And we probably touched on this a little bit in our last episode, but you know, it's like we, we compartmentalize them and, and, and I'd say, probably more often than not, we, we tend to prioritize like the leader and people development stuff, like not as much as we should. So it's like, if we have extra money left over in our budget or, you know, it's a sort of a nice to have, but really what we've seen is like the, the, the implementation of something like strong operating rhythms, like a great weekly team meeting, like a, a strong quarterly sync where you're setting priorities, where you're running a retrospective and you're looking back are made so much more meaningful when each participant embraces curiosity and self-awareness and a, a, a good calibration of being supporting and challenging. Um, so it, it's not, I think that the, the point here I'm making is that it's not enough just to be effective at, at, at running, you know, going through the agenda of each of these core rhythms. Um, in fact, we would say, it, you know, that's really not even we don't even want you thinking about that in general. We want you thinking about it as how do we do that and bring these leader mindsets and practices to, to, to strengthen team cohesion and effectiveness. Um, I feel like I have like insider information. So I know some of the stories about like, you know, the, <laughs> the stories from the battlefield. Can you touch on just some, for some of the listeners, like what are some of these times where you've seen it just be an absolute train wreck and then other times where it's like, okay, this leader showed up in my life embracing these leadership practices and trying to really like hit, hit some of these concepts home. Yeah, I'll hit on one. Um, I mean, there was an organization I used to work at several years ago. Um, you know, we had, we had some strong rhythms in place. We were, um, we were committed to a, a kind of a, a regular review of our most important key performance indicators as a, with the intent to good intent to try and drive learning and improvement, look at the data, look at the trends, open up some conversation, um, make some improvements based on our, you know, for operations and programs based on, uh, you know, what we learn in those conversations. But what ended up happening as we, as we rolled that new rhythm out, um, there was a, a leader around the table who, who did not bring a mindset of curiosity. And so when, when the, we had targets and when we wouldn't hit the targets, he would come like he would came into the meeting frustrated and angry and, and, and looking around the table, basically like more looking to assign blame, like who didn't do their job here? Why did this happen? How could we have missed this target? This is the second time in a row. Like what's going on here? Like, this is so important. Right. 
and, and very accusatory um, in feeling, right? Whether he meant that or not, that's just how it felt to be a participant around the table. Um, and so we, we did that uh, three times. Um, and, and what happened by the fourth time was, well, one, we had a few leaders not come. I think it felt like such an unpleasant experience that they were just like, why would I even come to this meeting? It's not opening up meaningful dialogue. I'm just feeling accused. And, um, and, and that doesn't feel like a time where we're actually learning. Right. And then we had a few other leaders. I know this sounds silly and crazy, but it actually happened where they, they put band-aids on their forehead. And I asked them after the or meeting, what that was about. It's like, cause they felt like they were getting beat up like in the meeting. So it was like their way of saying like, this is such a rough meeting. Like, that's how I feel about it. Um, so anyway, so yeah, so that that's kind of the worst case scenario. How that could be. I will say that we made some improvements, <laughs> improvements, you know, with that with that dramatic moment in the meeting. The rhythm did get better, but um, it, it it certainly did not. You know, the way that leader came did not tee up the opportunity for us to actually learn about what was going on and actually make real improvements. So we weren't meeting the intent and the objective of the meeting based on the way that leader. A, who a very high authority in the organization was coming and and creating that environment that's real good and yeah. i will go ahead joe well i i love the uh i love reflecting back on sort of the moments where it was unexpected that somebody stepped up so sort of the the exempt example right where you didn't expect someone to step up and they did um you know, the, the meeting example that I shared earlier, I had a very similar experience with, with a leader who I used to work with, um, just stepping up in that moment and helping to resolve the, the tension and, and the impact that it had on the team was like, this is how we, this is how this can be done, right? Like when these types of things happen, we can show up and be solutions oriented. We can be empathetic. We can find this balance of support challenge with people we don't even manage, right? And the impact of that is everyone else in the room is sees it, right? It's not just the, the CEO or the, the leader of the org who sees it. Everyone sees it. And so it just sort of raises the level for how others should show up. Um, you know, if this person can do it, why can't I? So I just love those examples where people step up in, you know, areas you didn't even expect it. It's public or somehow seen by others and the impact that that can have on, on the whole team. Hmm. Joe, I love that. By the way, Joe is like our constant beacon of, of light back to the, the good examples. I feel like I'm on the other end more often, which I don't know what that says about me, but um, thanks for bringing your, your, your trigger and some good ones for me now, Joe. So I appreciate that. Um, I'm thinking of like this this a similar meeting rhythm to the one I just described, different organization, but because the the CEO took such a disposition of curiosity um, in those meetings, same type of people around the table, top leaders looking at key performance indicators, but like there was a there was a norm um, in the group around if we walk out of this meeting with nothing more than like two new meaningful questions like that's a success. Like if we look at it and we're like, this isn't what we thought, but what's the thing we're really trying to get at? And is there a new question that we should be asking that we should go dive into, do some research analysis and come back and continue our learning? Man, that, that 
was like the most fun time of the month for that group of leaders to come, knowing that there was going to be a lot of divergent thinking, a lot of um, encouragement to get to like the real learning. Mm. And I tell you, it like changed so many things in that organization and included replication of programs that were working well, you know, um, just kind of holding up and shouting out some of the biggest wins to raise more money for that organization. It also included some tough decisions, but were great learnings, winding down some things that ultimately were not successful and that be asking hard questions about things that had been around for a long time, but all because there was a, in a, uh, permission to be very curious and to go into to deep questions. That's awesome. Sean, I think that that permission piece is so important, right? Like when that leader behaves that way and shows curiosity in this case, you create permission for others to be that as well. Sometimes our, our teams don't know how they should show up, right? Because yeah. there, there's no, teams haven't actually defined like, hey, this is what leadership looks like. And so instead they look at the leader and say, how, how do they behave? That's what I, that, that's what I'm assuming is the, the unspoken model, or we have these moments of bravery and courage and people show up and, and do amazing things, but far too often those are, you know, few and far between. And what we see more of is just a reflection of the CEO, the C-suite, right? So I just love that piece around permission. And I think that that's why creating some common language around how do we define leadership, right? It's six levers, it's self-awareness, vulnerability, curiosity, support challenge. What we do by naming that is we say, you know, not only do you have permission, but these actually really impact, right, teams. Um, you know, but, but creating that common language sort of creates the space for people to say, okay, here's how we think about leadership in our organization. What can I do to bring more of this to the table? Um, and yeah, and really live it out and have permission to do it. When you say bring more of that to the table, how do you, how do you indoctrinate that within an organization, right? We're talking about anybody and everybody in an organization, not just the leaders, not, you know, who run the team or the C-suite. Talk to me about the ways in which Six Levers helps popularize, indoctrinate the concept of leadership practices amongst the entire organization. Well, I think for anyone who's, who's been a part of a team where core values were really strong and alive inside the organization, um, you've experienced at least a version of what that can look like, right? Because you've been a part of a team aligning around a core set of behaviors that are unique to that organization, um, that are probably referenced somewhat regularly, celebrated, shouted out. In many ways, that's what we bring to the leadership component, right? Is we say, hey, here's a handful of what we refer to as essential leader practices um, and train on them right? Align on why are these so powerful? And then how do I actually bring more of this into my own practice? And that's sort of part two is like some real, you know, practice-based training, you know, where, t where people are role-playing conversations um, with, you know, and, and really trying on what does curiosity look, look, sound like, feel like? Um, what, is, what does it look like to actually show up with support and challenge? right? Try to try to be the D'Amico Ryans of your team, 
right? And bring more, build out more D'Amico Ryans on your team. Um, so the training piece is, is oftentimes, is definitely the harder part, right? The na- just naming it shouldn't be that difficult, right? Um, and, you know, naming what those essential practices are for your organization. But then it's like, how do we get in and actually train people to build skill in this, in this area? Cause it's not, you can't just expect it to happen overnight after we def- define what those practices are. Yeah. Joe, that makes me think like you're, you're, por- you're pointing out this important step, like common one or step one, begin to define common language and do some training on it. Right. And what those tools and practices are. And it, you know, I think one of the reasons we we're so drawn to an idea of strengthening org health through a framework, uh, because what we see is many times, if it was just training, the question of the leaders would be saying, "Well, how do we make sure this moves into the framework of the organization?" And without an organizational operating system, it it may not. It may in some teams and not in other teams. It may kind of re- re- rely on the resolve and grit of the leader to like push it through, check on it, you know, continue to move it into individual plans and things like that. Um, But when you do have something like an organizational operating system, then, then what you can do is you can say, well, if I'm, if I'm committed to the practice of self-awareness, what might I, what might I do with that? Maybe what I say as a team, we would commit to getting regular feedback from each other, right? Because I want to learn more about myself and, and I'm committed to like bringing that practice and strengthening that leader practice to life and making it really real and, and more becoming more normalized and not just sort of this thing that, oh yeah, I forgot about that self-awareness thing, right? And so then you move it into practice and you say, okay, if we're committed to, to feedback and we're going to now train on what that might look like and how we do that well, um, and then we're going to move it into our operating system to say, well, when would we do it? Is there a core rhythm maybe we would incorporate some of it into? Um, is there an agreement if we think about the cohesion lever where we might say uh, we're not necessarily going to commit to a rhythm, but we're going to commit to each one of us uh, doing something related to feedback, giving it, asking for it uh, at a certain frequency for the next quarter, right? Like all these ways when you begin, the question begins to emerge, I've got some great leadership development training. What do I do to make sure I move it into the way we operate? And it's kind of becomes more normative. Then it's like, what lever do I go to? Do I go to a key rhythm? Do I go with something need to bring it a focus for the quarter or the year? Um, there's a place for it in the framework. And, and we find that teams start to feel really encouraged when they can connect those things together. So I'm going to go against uh, <laughs> Joe here for a second where he's the light. He brings us back to the positive. But we, we've talked a little bit before about, right, it's not just enough to have different tools and frameworks. It's also how we show up. We've talked about that a lot, how leaders show up. What happens if there isn't intentional leadership as part of the framework? What happens to these things um, in terms of, right, we can have a framework, but we don't have leadership as a core concept within it. What does that mean for the organization? What does that mean for organizational health? And have you seen any examples where they don't stress leadership and developing it as much? Well, I think that, that, I mean, this is that accidental versus intentional piece in many ways. I think it just happens more accidentally and you try to make it happen through hiring, right? You try to hire great leaders. There's no organization out there that's not trying to hire people where part of their criteria is not like, I hope they bring some sort of leadership, even, you know, even if into whatever the role they're at in. And then you just hope that folks have sort of 
also believe in leadership, believe that that's an important part of any employee's responsibility is just like kind of leading themselves and showing up with, you know, so it's just, it's accidental. It's, it's less intentional. You um, hope that you've got good managers out there encouraging, you know, the right behaviors. Um, and I think, you know, because at the end of the day, people do show up in accidental environments all the time. You start to think, well, maybe this is fine, right? I, I saw so-and-so, they really like brought their A-game or, um, you know, I think, actually, I think it creates this broken mindset that only some people are capable of it, right? And it's sort of, we just have this like, you know, about about 75% of your staff is just going to be average or, or, or worse, and then you got like the, you know, the, the rock stars, we got this language around rock stars and it's like the top 25, 10% of your org, those are the rock stars, those are the leaders. That's just the way things are. Well, that's, yeah. that's horse, <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, like that, that's not true. We've all seen people rise up, right. And, and take over. And so um, it just happens more accidentally. And I think it creates this broken mindset that only certain people have it within them. Um, yeah. which is, which is a bummer. Yeah. Do I love that reminder that, that, uh, you know, at, at the core of this, when we talk about leadership, we're, we're, we carry a belief and we hope others do as well, that anyone is capable of, of bringing it and modeling it. And, and that's so important, I think in, and I, I love that you're just calling it can, calling this out because it can feel like such a change in paradigm when all of a sudden everyone is beginning to encourage it, maybe to even hold each other accountable on a team where it's not being modeled and can call upon something in a meeting to say like, you know, and not weaponize it, by the way. I'm not, I'm not, <laughs> sometimes you see this when sort of like the image, immature embodiment of this might look like, hey, I'm not sure you were so curious there. I'm not saying that, right? I'm just saying more like in, in a true good intention when you don't see it there to maybe call it to the room or even, or even when the time is right. Um, but it just creates, again, creates permission, right? For everybody to bring it as opposed to what Joe, I love what you're saying. They're just the, the, the managers, right? Or the people who are in leadership. So that that's so huge. Um, and the other couple of things, Josh, that come to mind here are um, thinking about, and this may be an oversimplified way of thinking about categorizing people, but in or, there tends to be, especially in mission-driven organizations, there's, there's a large group of people that are just very drawn to the mission, to the people, to like just the purpose. And you get, you, you start to, talk about and and focus on the implementation of things that look like too much systems and structure and you're going to lose some people right you're going to lose some of that camp that are just like your missional warriors that are there to do the work you start rolling out all these things all hey a new rhythm new annual planning process new quarterly blah, here's your here's your vitals and all these things that are in our framework and we deeply believe in but if we were just to do all that stuff while not talking about, and here's how you show up as a great leader. And here's how we strengthen teams. Those folks that are, that are largely there. And by the way, you hope, hope most people are primarily there for those missional reasons. You run the risk of losing them along the way, right? They're going to, they're not going to be bought in. They're going to, they're going to hear all this stuff and hear more work. And I'm already really busy. And you're stacking on like 13 new things for me to do. But if you connect it to people, connected to how we it'll strengthen our team 
how to help us all be better leaders, then I think we, as, as the people that are implementing this in, in organizations, whether you're a consultant or whether you're a navigator, you run a, a, a much better chance of bringing people along and gaining their buy-in um, by keeping the, the people leadership component at the forefront. Sean, you, you remind me of uh, that piece about authenticity is, is so important. And you remind me of some of these moments that we've been able to observe where we're, you know, we get to observe a lot of meetings, you know, after we run trainings on how to run meetings, we oftentimes get to observe them and, and help coach coach on the meetings. And I've been a handful where you, we see, we get a chance to see these sort of almost culture redefining moments where someone on the team is showing up with a different level of leadership than they had before. And they're doing that in this environment that is a certain, has a certain set of norms, right? And they're trying to bring this a different level of leadership, whether it's the curiosity piece, whether it's this challenge, this like supportive challenge against an assumption that's maybe been around for a while. Um, but in those moments, you see this authenticity around trying to show up and, and, and work to better the team in some, in some authentic way and how powerful those moments are, right? Where, where somebody you know, chooses to do that and it only takes a few for people to start to realize, hey, like maybe, maybe there is a better way and maybe it doesn't have to look like that heroic, right? Or that time intensive or, you know, maybe it just looks like some of these moments of magic where someone is, is showing up with the leadership in a real authentic way. Super cool to, to watch those moments happen. I'm going to, I'm going to pull on that one a little bit. So we're talking about moments. Um, and then I'm, I'm going back to something that you said earlier on Joe about uh, your kiddos where it's just like, whether they're tired and grumpy, they're like, incredibly consistent that's the thing that i wrote down that you said like those kiddos are incredible consistency within your own life is it about moments though of just like top-notch leadership someone trying to show up or is it the focus like I'm, I'm pulling on the different levers within the framework it's focus and it's a rhythm of it and it's consistently trying to practice the leadership practices, right? So I'm trying to like tug on like, okay, is it just moments? It, it's certainly both, but, also... but I think I'm a big believer in the power of moments. And, you know, I think we can all reflect back on these moments in our life that had a huge impact, right? Um, whether it was a speech or something we observed. I mean, the, some of these moments of leader magic were moments I observed that have inspired me to try to lead in certain types of ways, right? So I think on the one hand, it can be as simple as that moment where somebody finally shows up hmm. with some support challenge in the meeting that has been lacking any bit of accountability or authenticity around addressing tensions and problems. And someone finally shows up and does it and has this moment. I think that can be this, hmm. this like trajectory shifting moment. But then, right, like you're saying, you do it once and nothing changes, then, then that was just a, a fun moment to put on the highlight reel. Right. Mm -hmm. So it is after that, it has to, you know, convert into saying, Hey, we noticed that was helpful. How do we make this our practice? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Cause it's also not easy, you know, to the point of, you know, you got to put it into practice. You got to keep coming back to it. 
Um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's both and. That's good. We're good. It makes me think about the, um, you know, we're talking about these moments, but uh, you know, as I'm, as I'm imagining all of the teams I've been on and observed, I'm kind of like have this flash of memories and, and I remember what it felt like and, and what I immediately think of in some of those teams, the likelihood of those leader moments, those special moments was far more likely than in other teams. Right. And so it's like, what has to happen to create an environment for those moments to be likely or unlikely to occur. Right. And, and I think that's a lot of what we're talking about here. And, it, and when you're pulling on that leadership lever in particular, you're, cre you're increasing the likelihood that those moments are going to happen with a greater frequency than they would if you're not right. And, and just imagine like a, a, an environment where team cohesion was kind of low. I'm sure all of us have, have been on a team like this at one point in our career and, and the courage that it might take to bust through all that and like bring this, this moment of let's say vulnerability, right. And, and where, where it's not happening, where there feels like there's very little space, right. Maybe that's just one of it's an environment where you're running around like crazy hair on fire, spinning multiple plates. And not only that, but there's an also not a culture of, of regular vulnerability. And then you've got to muster that in this one moment. It seems very unlikely versus like it's, that's happening with some frequency. You're not overloaded with so many things on your plate that you actually have some emotional and mental space. So it's kind of courage, but it's also just this idea of actually have the bandwidth to even think this way because I'm not so focused on crisis after crisis or like immediate needs right so just calling on what do we have to do as leaders as teams to feel to create space for those moments to actually happen that's good <clears throat> while you're talking I'm, I'm thinking about <laughs> since you're talking I'm, I'm thinking about a moment specifically with you that was very actually defining in and i think how i approach my role at mission matters group this was probably like a year and a half ago. And I actually just went over the the Slack message that I sent out uh, communicating something that I'm just like, come on, dude. But anyways, we had a leadership team meeting and I was gathering input for some serious, some important decisions that we were going to make. One was about a new hire. And the second was about um, the alignment of a client with our core values and just making sure it was a good fit and we didn't have any reservations. So I'm, I'm trying to embrace curiosity. I'm taking all this input, take input, take input, take input. I said, okay, cool. I'll process it over the weekend, all that good stuff. So I just looked at my messages and it, on, on a Sunday night, well, backstory, I got some feedback from uh, this uh, kind of coach of mine where he's like, hey, how predictable are some of your decisions and how well do you document them? Like, I need to work on documenting my decisions. So I think I'm doing something good. I was curious. I took all this input. I document my decisions. I send it out via Slack. Monday's leadership team meeting was a little bit different than I was expecting. We go in there and Sean raises this. He's like, hey, dude, I'm a little frustrated right now because we gave you all this input. We gave you some pretty heartfelt feelings and perspectives that we entrusted you to, but we have no idea where you're at other than the decision that you made. And I just kind of like sank back in my chair and I'm like, holy smokes, because he was spot on. 
and then Jason, another member of our leadership team, he's, he's like, same thing, man. He's like, you know, we're, we're happy to give you this input, but we're also expecting a dialogue here. We, we don't know how, you know, what mental hurdles you jump through to come to these conclusions. We're not opposed to the decisions. We just don't know. Right. So I thought I was doing good documenting my decision, curiosity. But then what I learned in that moment is I overlooked vulnerability and I was on the receiving end of the support challenge. And it's not like they were like bad mouthing me or anything um, or like like coming at me. It was just very like candid. It was very vulnerable. And so I had one on one conversations with both of them, both of them. And I learned a lot. I learned a lot about my approach. I learned a lot about my shortcomings. I learned a lot how much I value vulnerability on their end. And it was like truly redefining um, in terms of how I approach a lot of things. Now, every once in a while, I know what my posture is or my default mode of operation. And I have to be aware of that. Otherwise, I'll make the same decision over again to take input, not share where I'm at and make a decision. So again, it's something that I think about all the time. And it was a year and a half ago, but that is one of the moments that was momentous or created momentum within, uh, within our, you know, my overall embracing of these practices. So yeah, that's a great story, Josh. Thanks, Sean. <laughs> I appreciate it. Well, I was just going to say the power of moments right here, right? It wasn't your, it wasn't a moment that you, you particularly, um, are happy with how you executed, but you <laughs> learned a great deal, yeah. but it also speaks to the piece around the practice, right? Because at the end of the day, yeah. we can be super intentional all the time because we've decided how we show up matters. There's some practices out there that if I put in place, it can be super influential for me. And execution is a whole different planning and execution is, is a whole different ball game, which is why, you know, I think that that curious lens, that willingness to be vulnerable and just like show your cards and even have this moment that you're having right now is so powerful in terms of continuous learning and just making the impact that you're trying to make. That's great. Thanks yeah. for sharing that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One, thank you. Thank you for sharing and being vulnerable in front of more than whoever our, our, our millions of listeners oh, here. Um, yeah. but... <laughs> we'll have but... to cut that. We'll have to cut that. There's too many people. Yeah. Josh is going to get flooded with thousands of emails after when this airs, but um, he did it anyway. He's so brave. Um, and so, <laughs> um, in all seriousness, um, two things come to mind. One is that I love that about our team, you know, the greatest, the greatest thing I had to overcome in calling that out was just an uncomfortable moment, mm. right? Like, and maybe like the, the risk of, of calling it out would be like, we have a 10 to 15 minute uncomfortable, slightly awkward exchange while Josh, because Josh is really great at this, Josh begins reflecting immediately. Right. So he did reflecting afterwards. But when I know from working with Josh for a long time, when I give him news like this, he immediately starts reflecting on it. So I knew what that would be. What I didn't have to worry about is would it change anything in our relational dynamic? Would it change anything about how he views me and trusts me and vice versa? Right? So the stuff that really matters, mm. I was able to bring that because I was secure in it. And and all that was at risk was a slightly uncomfortable moment within a meeting structure. So, so thank you for lending, for creating an environment for me to do that. But, but I think just a point to, to, uh, you know, what we're talking about with these, these leadership moments is that's so important. Um, when we think about what we're, the environments we're trying to create. It's good stuff. I got one question on here that I've been waiting to hold 
are waiting to uh, to share. So all right, maybe this is how we'll close it out. What's one way you've adapted the essential leadership practices in your own life? And how can you uh, share that with, uh, with our millions of followers right now? And this can be work or personal. I was thinking more personal, right? Like hit, hit the um, ELPs again, right? Vulnerability, curiosity, support challenge. Um, so yeah, t- talk to me about those. How have you adapted them in your own personal life? I can start. I'll start with support challenge and I'll say a little bit what this is because it's maybe the one leader practice that isn't intuitively known until you explain it, but it's just the balance of, of being supportive, encouraging, providing the resources that people need, um, creating an environment where they feel supported and then challenging. So calling up to higher expectation, um, you know, calling up to achieve more, right. And, 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 and having these two well calibrated with an understanding when you're doing that, um, it creates a more kind of liberating feel for the person that you're working with. And so I'll share my tendency is I'm a, I'm a feeler, I'm an empath, I'm a nurturer. Um, and I may not, by the way, I may not feel like that to, to everyone that interacts with me until they get to know me a little bit better. But, um, but because of that, I tend to skew towards support and I can be slow to call the challenge. And so one, I've, I've come to just know that about myself and the framework is even helpful from a self-awareness perspective for me to know that about myself. And so, um, what I have, I sort of have my own internal working agreement, um, where I wanted like the story you just shared, Josh, like, even though I described that as easy, the, the truth is for me, it's not super easy because I tend to be slow to bring challenge because I, I want all my relationships to be in harmony, right? That's just a way that I'm sort of wired I, I, without going into all Sean, Steve <laughs> history and potential wounding of why that is there, but that's just, that is a truth about me. So, um, so the way I've intentionally worked on that is to, is to bring um, challenge and uh, at a greater frequency and to be okay to kind of just like work through the what feels like a very unsettled unsettled feelings when i'm going through that um knowing that the more that i do it that'll go away love that i think the one that i've uh another one of the one of them that i've learned quite a bit about is the curiosity practice um you know i think i've always considered myself like a curious person really enjoy learning. Um, and so I think on the one hand, you might think like, I might reflect back and think this is a strength, right? This is a clear strength. But, um, I think when you think about the full practice of curiosity, um, it's more than, you know, just being a, a learner, right. Or somebody who's generally in, you know, curious by, by things going on in the world. Um, there's two things that come to mind that have really helped me to adopt curiosity in a more effective way as a leader. Um, one is to, in, in moments where uh, I'm a part of some sort of collaborative team and I'm playing a role in driving that work forward, curiosity in the form of asking questions of people when they bring new ideas to the table, especially when my initial reaction or response to those ideas is maybe more critical than like accepting or receiving. So really trying to notice those moments and say, um, 
like, how can I ask better questions here and seek to understand and be more curious about maybe where that idea came from or, or why they have that idea um, and to see the value that can come out of that. And, and so replacing sort of a, a steadfast or maybe even stubborn behavior with curiosity. Uh, and then, you know, prior to MMG, I was uh, worked in schools and I, you know, was a part of many, many meetings with parents um, where I'm talking to a parent about their child and their child's education and oftentimes a difficult moment <laughs> inside of the school. And I got some advice from a coach um, around this idea of, of curiosity, uh, sort of complemented with like really working to honor the story that you're hearing from the parent and be curious and listen. Uh, and so, especially in moments where like, it's maybe a more reactionary conversation or reactionary moment um, where somebody is upset to sort of just try to get present and honor the story that is being shared with you and trying to show that curiosity around what is, where's this coming from, right? Um, and, and how can I just listen and learn uh, is, can, make all the difference, right? You can have no ideas on solutions, no ideas on, you know, where anything's coming from, but just through that sort of creating the space to listen and then be curious and ask questions and connect with the person um, can be super powerful. That's good, man. Um, yeah, I think curiosity as well. And I guess this is more from a personal lover level. Um, so I, I have multiple multiple sclerosis. And my neurologist uh, told me this one time that's always stood out in my life. And I feel like it helps me embrace curiosity. Um, but my neurologist said, the sooner that you uh, become comfortable with uncertainty, the better off you'll be. And that one was just like, all right, right. On any given day, I don't know if my leg's going to be numb or my hands will be numb or something like that. I haven't had any, you know, issues in, in quite some time. I feel very blessed because of that. But anyways, that that lesson has stood out to me significantly. And so kind of what Sean was talking about earlier on, I that was like my tipping point in terms of trying to always reflect on my actions to see if my actions produce a result that I liked or not. And so I'm very curious in the way that I ask, do I like what happened in the way that I functioned in the way that I acted in, in what I said? Um, so yeah, and, and same thing, like how my body responds to things as well. So um, that is definitely something that I feel like over the last few years, I've leaned into curiosity significantly as it relates to um, just those very personal questions. If I put this into my body, do I like what, how I feel? Do I like, you know, how I, how I think? So yeah, that's, that's my personal one. Love that. Can we work for sure? Can we move that. on now because I'm uncomfortable. <laughs> this is me being vulnerable. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we can move on. Thank you for sharing that. You're welcome. Um, all right. Well, let's uh, let's close this up. So, what we like to do is really end with just some type of um, practice. This now. How do you make progress? How do you make momentum in embracing these different topics that we're discussing today? So, within you know 30 seconds, a minute give um, some direction. If somebody within any part of an organization, anywhere in the hierarchy, 
what's one thing that they should start thinking about or, or trying tomorrow other than coming to sixlevers.co to learn more about the essential leadership practices? Um, but what's one thing that you would encourage somebody to start doing tomorrow or to start thinking about tomorrow as it relates to their leadership and how they show up within their organization? Well, two thoughts. If you are a leader of a team um, to align with your team on even just one practice that they believe is important for leadership, create, facilitate some learning and alignment around that practice, what it looks like, why it's valuable, and call on the team to be more intentional about showing up with it um, and, and have some sort of rhythm where you're, you're checking in on it. Uh, if you're not a team lead or, you know, and you're just, you know, working and, and working to bring more leadership, go through a similar exercise with yourself and just think about what's a quality that I want to show up with more and more of. Let's do, do some of your own learning and research around it and just work your work on it yourself. You know, create a little bit of a self-practice, um, just like you might think about with an exercise rhythm or routine. Uh, and we've got some great ideas on what those might be. Uh, but you know, we know that the four leader practices that we really train on are not the only four. And, um, so something that feels really motivating and, um, important to you is where I would start. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I was going to say something pretty similar and then maybe the only thing I'd put a finer point on or just double down on is. Um, as you go through that training and, and I love what Joe's saying, like what resonates for your team as a starting point. Like if you think of different things you can learn, whether it's increased empathy or curiosity or, um, you know, or, or increasing self-awareness, you know, where does the team want to start based on, you know, what they feel like is the greatest potential need, um, or, or just responding to some existing current tensions as a way to prioritize where to start. And then after you go through that training, just thinking about like, what's one micro practice you could commit to. Like it's just something real small. Like if we, I mentioned feedback earlier. Um, so it could be something like that where you commit to getting feedback at a certain frequency. Um, it could become to Joe's point about curiosity. If you're a leader, you know, asking questions more like a coach, right? I'm going to approach my next three one-on-ones. I'm going to um, commit to asking a series of questions and not just jump into giving advice, right? So I could embrace and model curiosity in that way. So just pick pick one or two things at, that come out of that learning that you then hold yourself accountable to to begin to work on practicing. Good stuff. All right. Well, if you'd like to learn more, we already uh, talked about it, but come to uh, sixlevers.co. Um, we will have a rolling navigator sprint where you can come learn the different levers and bring them back to your organization. Uh, but thanks for listening today, today and we'll uh, talk to you soon.